Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where our goal is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. Over the last couple of years, we've seen record appreciation. We've seen buyer demand absolutely out of control, and it's primarily due to a supply and demand imbalance. And this whole time, people in the background have been chirping, talking about weight. Just wait till foreclosures hit the market. It's going to add to supply, which is essentially going to create this, you know, housing crash, if you will. So Josh, I'm tired of hearing it, quite frankly, and wanted to take some time and talk about the idea of a foreclosure wave. Why do people think or believe this idea of a foreclosure wave coming in the future? It, it's largely, Jeb, an emotional response. Um, there, we're in a new place. We're at the highest level ever. This has to change. Like um, when you're sick and you get to the highest point of throwing up and having a super high fever, your brain is telling you this has to change. This has to get better. So we are largely in a unique place um, and at a place where when we've seen elevated prices before, we have seen home values come down. So let's, let's look at it and analyze what's causing this emotional response for some people. Because it's not all people, because we still have plenty of people buying homes. There's still a, a supply-demand imbalance, more buyers than sellers, even though there's less buyers than there were a year ago. There's not enough sellers to, to make it a, a balanced market. So let's look at it. We're coming off record levels of appreciation. You know, historically, if we got up into the high single digits, seven, eight, nine percent appreciation, that was a monstrous year. We're in the middle of our second year of double digit appreciation, and we were close to it uh, in 2020. If it weren't for the, the pandemic, it probably would have hit that level there also. So monster appreciation. We sort of had a hockey stick on that chart of home values. Now, for the most part, the first two years of, of the pandemic sort of uh, boom in home prices, 2020 and 2021, interest rates stayed really low. Um, now this year, we're seeing inflation go up. So now we have home prices at record levels. We don't have ultra low interest rates. We have low interest rates, but not ultra low interest rates to offset that payment. So the real answer is affordability. I think the number one thing that you and I hear every week on the live um, or in talking to people is these home prices have to come down. Who, who can afford at these prices? So it's really that emotional response that appreciation, higher interest rates has led to lower affordability. And now there can't possibly be any more people out there who can afford these prices. So there has to be a correction. Well, you know, I, I absolutely, I agree with that a hundred percent that it's one, you know, emotion, emotion is number one, but I, I do think there's also a play, Josh, that we haven't really talked about. And that's the idea through this whole thing that the government got involved and allowed people not to make their payments. Right. So they said, Listen, you don't have to, as part of the original CARES Act back in March of 2020, I believe it was, or maybe it was even May, April. I don't remember what month it came out, but 
it said, listen, if you're, you know, affected by the, the pandemic at all, by COVID at all, you essentially don't have to make your payments. And it was initially a three-month deal, and then it became a six-month, and then a year, and then for some people, 18 months. And so people initially thought, uh-oh, you know, because when they originally came out and said it, they said, you know, this these are the terms. You can miss your payments, but in three months, all of those payments that you missed are going to come due. And then they realized, well, that was a really bad idea. Who the hell is going to be able to come up with three months, you know, all at one time when they've been affected? And, and by they imagined thing. the COVID was going to be fixed in 90 days. So <laughs> well, nothing was yeah. fixed in I 90 think we were days all hopeful no one had the money. Way. Yeah. But then people started saying, well, you know, they're, you know, there was just so much misinformation out there for one. And there still is um, to some extent, but the idea was that, Hey, people are going to miss all these payments. And now that they're going to be behind on their mortgage. And therefore when they're, when they have to start paying that payment again, they're not going to be able to do it. And what we've seen is we actually saw, you know, the, the, the government put pressure on a lot of these servicers to follow through and do things and what have you. And so the response coming out of the pandemic has actually been pretty rewarding um, for many of those people that missed payments in one form or fashion. So the idea that the pandemic added to the foreclosure wave or, or created this whole new uh, pool of potential homeowners that were going to go into foreclosure, I think is not correct. It's 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 a erroneous idea because the government did get involved and they said, hey, listen, we're just going to take this and add it to the back of your mortgage as a silent second. And in some cases, they're doing 40-year terms, you know, modifying loans and what have you, putting payments really low. So that didn't affect people. But well Jeb, you, yep. you didn't you didn't even go to the full equation there. And we talked about the hockey stick growth and appreciation. When the people were not, when they took forbearance and were not making their payments, what in essence were they adding to the balance? Just the missed interest. So when you make a payment every month, some of it goes to principal, some of it goes to interest, but you wouldn't add the missed principal onto the loan. It never got paid down. So all you're adding is the missed interest and the appreciation over the last two years vastly exceeded the missed interest. So someone could have sat back, not made a payment for two entire years and have more equity at the end of forbearance than they went into forbearance. With. Very true. No, good stuff. I mean, absolutely. And, and, but now here's the problem. Now the, the, the end of, of, you know, the forbearance for many people out there, we're at the lowest numbers of forbearance since pre pandemic. So we're kind of exiting this whole thing or getting ready to fully exit anybody that was in forbearance because of the pandemic, but the headlines, the headlines are reading that foreclosures are up 132%. And you've got everybody online seeing, say, I, you know, see that? I, I told you so. I told you they were coming. So let's take a minute here and just talk about that in context, right? What it actually means. It's the first year over year, um, you know, uh, increase in foreclosures that we've seen in 10 years. So it seems if you read the headline, oh, this is shocking. But is it shocking, Josh? Jeb, this is an incredibly simple one with the fancy economic term for it is base year effect. So the base year is the year we're comparing to. We're now in 2022 in January. Most forbearance moratoriums are, are over, uh, foreclosure moratoriums and forbearance programs are over. And we're comparing to January of 2020 when all of them were still full in effect and had been extended. So we're comparing to the absolute lowest time of foreclosures ever 
So despite the fact that we have a spectacularly low number of foreclosures in January of 2022, it's a 700% increase. And we talk about this in the show all the time. If it bleeds, it leads. The, the media has no interest in telling you, hey, here's this interesting fact. We had almost no foreclosures last year and we have seven times more, which is still almost none. They throw the headline at you, foreclosures increase 700%, uh, calling into doubt the future of, of housing. But you, uh, you look at the numbers, Jeb, uh, you have them here. Well, what, what was it? We had 78,000 foreclosures in the first quarter of 2022. And if you go back before the pandemic, we were having 30 to 40,000 a month. So call it 30,000 in a quarter, you, or, uh, you would have had over 90,000 and now we're at 78,000. So we have less foreclosures than we had going into the pandemic. And that was a time with record low foreclosures. Yeah, nobody very in, healthy that, housing in 2019 market. was thinking, God, there's a lot of foreclosures on the market. No, nobody was even talking about foreclosures in 2019 or 2018 because there weren't any. I mean, in the big scheme of things. And and think about that. Part of the thing, you know, another statistics is important to remember, we had 122 or going on 122 straight months of home price appreciation. It's over 10 years. It's hard to get yourself in trouble when you have 10 years of home price appreciation and then the last two years, exceptionally high levels of, of home price appreciation. So when we look big picture, who are the people that are calling for foreclosures jeb it, we, we see it's it's funny we get to talk to a lot of people on the live here when i say talk we have open comments uh, about three thousand people show up through that time probably two or three hundred put their comments in and there's a vocal minority that assures us just sit on the sidelines this market's going to crash and just hold your cash and you're going to buy in and and what are some of the commonalities of those people when we talk to them start asking them questions jeb well, they rent. They've been renting forever. They're lifelong renters. And again, not, I'm not bagging on that, but they're renters that want to buy. And maybe they've been priced out of the market because, you know, they keep thinking that the market's going to crash and they keep sitting, waiting for that to happen. And eventually, well, they're still wrong. Um, and, and so they're getting to the point where it's frustrating. I mean, that's what I see. I, you've got people that have sold set on the sidelines, waiting for housing to get, you know, to pull back, miss that opportunity. I have clients um, that sit on that. Some of you might be listening to this um, that are in that position. Maybe you sold and saw the market take off and, and that's frustrating. Um, you know, missed an opportunity. Somebody that's, I mean, hell, I've got clients at the moment, Josh, that I was helping back in October, September, October of last year, putting in offers on property. And at the time rates were in the two. 75299 3% range if you will and they didn't buy they you know they were still trying to 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 pick the bottom if you will on on some of these prices and and really nitpick things and and the market's continued to accelerate since then and they're out and they've missed the opportunity to to own homes so like you said at the beginning there's a lot of emotion in this and what we tend to see is that it's it's usually not the people that own homes that are calling for foreclosures is that fair no, absolutely. It's it's people that really want and need for there to be a correction to to get back in. And there really are. There are a lot of people. I, I was going to tell you the the tenant that rents my dad's condo from my sister and I, he sold his condo before he moved in there. His, the prices are nuts. I got four hundred twenty five thousand dollars for it. I don't remember exactly where it was. So he decided to go rent at the highest rental value that your condo's ever seen. 
his his rent was more than what his mortgage was, but he was happy because he put one hundred fifty thousand dollars in the okay. bank, and now to buy back now to buy back in six hundred thousand dollars for that condo in the area where where he lived. So um, it's it's a dangerous game. We talk about why. Um, it's it's really home ownership for a primary residence is a buy and hold strategy. If you want to use timing um, for for real estate with your investments and you're pretty advanced and you feel strongly about it, do that. But buying your primary residence is a buy and hold strategy. On a previous episode, we told the the story of a friend of mine where her parents bought at the absolute peak of the last market before the biggest crash ever. And they sat there. The only real crash ever. They said, we don't care. We want to own a house. We can afford those payments and we're going to be fine. And they stayed there. Uh, It was upside down for many, many years. They could handle the payment. They made the payment. And now they're sitting there on, you know, eight hundred, nine $900,000 of equity, having ridden all the way through that. That's, that's what having a long-term view of it does versus trying to be a timer uh, of the market. And what we're here to say, you know, um, we had a number that every time, so this is Southern California, we know we have listeners all around the, the country, but in California, every time we've seen a downturn in home prices, we had to have foreclosure inventory taking up 30 to 40% of all available inventory in the multiple listing service. Right now, Jeb, what could you maybe find four or five in all of Southern California? Less, less than 1% of the listings would be four. Less than 1%. Yeah. And we have to get to 30 to 40% before that has a big enough impact to bring prices down. We've talked about a number of things. Um, home prices are sticky to the upside. There's several reasons for that. We talk about emotion. Well, Josh, before you you dive into that one, I want to. You just said something that made me think of something. When we said less than one percent of the foreclosures that are on the market, do you realize that the foreclosures that are actually happening now are like a lot of these date back to like 2009, 2010. These are foreclosures that are old, old as hell. These things have been. You know, the foreclosures that are happening now are pre-pandemic. And not only are they pre-pandemic, they're pre-pre-pandemic. I mean, they're just getting some of these people out. So, yeah, you're going to see foreclosures, but it's not from anything that's happened recently. They were going to happen regardless of what the market did. But, yeah, sorry about that. No, uh, what I was going to say is home prices are sticky to the upside. And that was always used um, prior to 2007, 2008 to say, we've never had a downturn in home prices nationwide. And I, no one should care about a nationwide index of home prices. You should care about home prices in your market because many markets around the country prior to that had suffered downturns generally related to the economy. So what people would say is that home prices are sticky to the upside. And that's true because we talk about the emotion of people who are on the outside looking in, wanting to have foreclosures, wanting to have home prices come down so that they can get into the market. Well, the emotion of a homeowner is my neighbor sold for $987,000. My house is nicer than his. If no one wants to pay me $987,001, I'm just going to stay here. I'm not moving. I ain't moving. And especially where we are currently in a market where that's double double that because with interest rates higher, most people have very low interest rates on their current loans and would have to pay a higher rate to buy or move. So we're going to continue to see low levels of inventory, people hunkering down, staying in their homes because they're so much more affordable than what they can buy unless and until rates go back down to the record levels that we were at last year. So when you look at that, 
the only sales that you're going to see are highly motivated sellers. Some of them are motivated for good reasons. Um, they have triplets. They get married. They get an awesome job offer. Right. They need to you, move to New York is, City. Does that, triplets fall under the good reasons? You have you have three boys. You you enjoy <laughs> them, triplets. right? If they were triplets, I think I would file that under the other side. I was trying to come with a reason why you would immediately need uh, much more space than than what triplets you have. is so, one. Yes, you nailed that. So there's good reasons why people can move. There's bad reasons. Um, a divorce. So boom, that market comes uh, home comes onto the market and long way of saying you can see home prices come down but what you generally see is people staying and waiting for the values to increase rather than taking a lower price for their home if that's what the fundamentals dictate so without the forced sales of people being upside down and unable to make their payments which we are a million miles from you know one of the other numbers that we need to look at the average loan to value right now in this country for a mortgaged home so this does not include the free and clear homes but homes with mortgages the average loan to value is 45 percent so if homes dropped 30 percent in value which they are not going to do nationwide dropped 30 percent the average ltv would be 75 percent all of those people could sell, all of those people who had to sell, lost their job, got a divorce, any of the negative bad reasons for having to sell your home, they still could sell and would be an equity seller and there won't be a wave of them. So the recipe for what happens to bring a large volume of foreclosures to the market that cause a big decrease in home prices is just not there. So we talk about the emotion of feeling uncomfortable that home prices are at record levels. Affordability is so much lower than it was five, seven, 10 years ago. But the, the reality is the, the recipe for those home prices to come down is not there. It could be a recipe for long-term stagnation, um, whether that's 0% or 1% or 2% or 3% growth. You know, we've talked about on the show before, Jeb, 76-year average of, of home price appreciation is about 4.8% in the United States. Could we see lower than that for the next 10 years to make up for the last two crazy years? Yeah, we sure could. Um, but there's more than one way than a big correction like we saw in the last downturn, the only nationwide housing crash we've ever seen, which was caused by very bad loans, very high loan to value on a nationwide basis, and very high mortgage payments relative to the rents for those very same properties. So million things here are telling us that you don't have a recipe for a wave of foreclosures and you don't have a recipe for a big downturn in home prices. No, I mean, and one of the stats, everybody wants the data is that there's 1.2 fewer delinquencies right now than March of last year. And it has to do with employment rising. It has to do with the forbearance programs that we mentioned earlier. There's things that are in place that have allowed those delinquencies to go down. And so, yeah, you're going to have some people that go into foreclosure. You're going to have some people that just decided I'm going to get a mortgage and not make my payment. Hell, you have a client, Josh, that that did that. They they got a mortgage, they were qualified for the home, and for whatever reason, they just decided they're not going to pay the mortgage. And yeah, I mean, that idiotic on their part, that is going to result in, in a foreclosure. Now, out of all of your clients, that's the only one that I think that that's happened to. I think that you told me in your entire career, that's the only time you've ever had that happen. So you've got something like that happening where it's a one-off, don't really know the situation. Um, but regardless, that that will result in a foreclosure. So yeah, you'll see some foreclosures 
happen, but there's something to understand here with all of this. When you have foreclosures happen, even in an environment right now where foreclosures are the the minority in the types of property that are coming out there, right? And and I would say that in in you know the majority of properties at the moment are standard sales, right? They're not short sales. They're not you know um, any other type of sale. They're they're a, a standard sale. And so when you have a bunch of standard sales happening, normal sales, if you will. Um, and supply is still low in the relative scheme of things, even though it's increased, we're still well below here in Southern California, we're well below the three year average leading up to the pandemic between 2017 and 2019. In fact, that time, we had 155% more properties on the market than we have today. Um, so inventory is very low. So if you do have the foreclosures come on the market, the, the few here and there, what happens to those foreclosures, Josh? Does the bank just say, ah, well, what the hell? Um, we're just going to let it sell for, for a below market value and, you know, to the first guy that makes an offer. Or do they say, ah, look at the market. We're going to sell it at what we think the market will bear, which is in this market, probably fair market value as to where the last one sold or pretty close to it. And and it goes on the market in, in that way, unless it's some sort of super distressed property that needs a ton of work, needs everything, you know, where a, a flipper would come in, in which case it gets flippers attention. And then you get a bunch of cash offers, even then driving the price up higher than it would be otherwise. So I think what people want to believe is that, hey, I see a foreclosure coming. I'm able to get a deal as a buyer. That's the idea. Deals. And I can get in below market value. But the reality is that's not the market that we're in, even if you see foreclosures. And it's I, I just want to be clear about this because you are going to see some properties that come up as a foreclosure, but that is in no way indicative of a home that is going to sell for significantly less than than the homes in the surrounding area, unless there's something else going on on that property, Josh. A hundred percent. So think think about that misconception. You just hit the nail on the head. In 2010, in 2009, when we were out buying, I bought equity properties from, from a seller who had equity in the home. Depending on the condition of the property, they also had to sell at a discount. So an investor is looking for discounted properties. I don't care whether it's a foreclosure or whether it's it's someone's grandma's home that they just inherited. I need a home that's going to sell at a discount to the market that I can add value to and resell or add to my rental portfolio. So the, the thing that makes people think foreclosures are magic in terms of getting in at a lower level is most of those foreclosures were not treated really well during the foreclosure process. Right. So they are beat up. They are distressed. So in a market that's marked by heavy percentages of the MLS inventory being foreclosure properties, the thing that makes them sell at a discount is the foreclosures are not as nice as the equity sales. Because as a buyer, do you really care? You would probably rather deal with Joe and Susie across the street than Bank of America. It's a little easier, faster, cleaner transaction. The reality just happens to be that Joe and Susie's house is probably nicer and you're going to pay a little more for it. And you're like, I'll take the discount for the junker across the street. If you could somehow you had someone that had a pristine home, took great care of it, loved their home, ends up in foreclosure and loses it and walks away and, and hands over a pristine home, that's still going to sell at a premium. It's not going to go for less because it's a foreclosure. Foreclosures go for less because most of the time they're pretty beat up when they get handed over to the bank. Yeah. And, and there's, there's, you know, the bank has their skin in the game for the bank. There's, there's cost involved. They don't just let it go and, 
and not try to make any money. They're there to maximize profit as well. Um, so it's it's not, you know, just get the idea that for one, you're likely not to see a foreclosure wave happening anytime in the near future. And secondly, you know, if you're going in finding properties at a foreclosure, you still got to be competitive in, in, in those markets in, in order to stand out. So um, what I'd like to ask Josh, and we haven't done this before, is if you guys find any value at all, hit, you know, the, the, the rating on whatever platform you listen to and, and help rate the podcast. Again, it allows people to, to, to see it and, and want to listen. It also helps with the algorithms out there and, and they push it out when things are higher rated. So if you'd be so kind to do that, but, um, we hope, you know, that we brought some value today with regards to foreclosures, the idea of a foreclosure wave, so that if you're a buyer out there, you, you know, have an idea of how to tackle this market. It's changing a little bit. It's slowing a little bit, but it doesn't mean that we're in, you know, the, the environment for deals, you know, super low deals, super really, you know, uh, profitable deals to happen um, as a home buyer at this time. So just keep on, um, you know, listening. If we can cover anything out there that uh, that will help you as a home buyer, reach out to us. But for now, we appreciate you taking the time to listen. We appreciate you being here. We will see you again next time. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube and make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.